Welcome into NSN Daily. Thank you for joining us this afternoon. I'm Kirsten Moran, joined with Chris Murray and Jenna Holland directing behind the scenes. And Alex Margulies is live from Edgewood. A full show today, lots of exciting and positive news for you, aside from the Colorado Avalanche being down one game, but we'll get to the playoffs later. Alex, we're going to start with you. Explain to viewers what you're doing at the, the best golf course, I would say, in the West Coast. Yeah, I mean, there's there's no doubt it's one of the best golf courses in the country. I love it here at Edgewood. This is Edgewood Tahoe and South Lake Tahoe. I, I kind of call this the happiest place on earth. Uh, and, you know, sorry to Disneyland, but, uh, you know, the happiest place on earth for me is Edgewood. I, I love this golf course. It's such an amazing uh, showcase of, of our region being right here on Lake Tahoe. And uh, we're here today for the American Century Championships Media Day. That's the celebrity golf tournament. And comes to Edgewood every July, and uh, that's going to be coming up here in a couple of weeks. So we're here to preview that, and it's a part of actually a week that we're spending uh, playing golf and actually showcasing the region uh, for a new uh, show that we're going to air later this month, not only in our market of Reno, but also uh, airing at some of our markets from our Sinclair network uh, down in Las Vegas. We'll run it in Salt Lake, San Diego, Los Angeles, and it's really just going to kind of showcase our area when it comes to being a golf destination, a travel, a kind of outdoor destination. So you know, we've been playing golf, we've been doing some fun different activities, doing some stuff with food and, and you know, just encouraging people to come visit Reno Tahoe and, and the entire area. And, and uh, you know, we, we love it so much. We want to share it with everybody else. Yeah, Reno and Tahoe really want it to be a travel destination. Golf is a huge part of that. What are some of the courses that you're playing and where did the idea kind of come about, uh, you know, to kind of share this with some of the other Western markets to get more people to come in here tourism wise? Yeah, so, so far, uh, we started the trip on Friday. Uh, we went uh, down to Somerset, Northwest Reno, uh, which is awesome golf course, great elevation. It's beautiful out there. On Monday, we went out to Truckee. We played Coyote Moon, which is a really cool golf course out there. There's no homes on there, so very you know, serene, and you just you're right out there in nature. On the afternoon, we went to Tahoe Donner, which is uh, brand new re renovated. They put about $2 million into fixing up that golf course in Truckee. Uh, yesterday, we were in North Lake Tahoe, so we went to Incline Village and their championship course, which is a fantastic golf course uh, in the mountain. Uh, and then uh, today here at Edgewood, and then we'll finish things up tomorrow uh, playing at Genoa Lakes. We'll finish out the trip in uh, the Carson Valley. You know, we did the show last year. It's in partnership with Widinger Public Relations and Phil Widinger. You know, he's put, put together this uh, Tahoe Reno golf tour for years and has invited media from all over the country when it comes to print or broadcast to showcase this region not only as a golf destination, but just as a travel destination, period. Uh, and so we've been working with Phil for several years. And last year, we decided to do a show on the golf tour. And we ran it uh, in our market and, and had some fun guests like Cody Pajardo and we had Steve Alford. If you want to check out that show from last year, it is on our website at NevadaSportsNet.com. Uh, and then, you know, because we are owned by Sinclair Broadcast Group, they have such an awesome network around the country uh, of places, like I mentioned before, getting down to L.A. and San Diego on their new Bally's. A sports network and then we've got stations in vegas and salt lake and portland and you know we just figured there's so many great places in this area and and so we partnered with a lot of the regional uh visitors authorities like the rscba we partnered with tahoe south uh, here in south lake tahoe uh the go tahoe north and north lake tahoe and then carson valley um so you know we're kind of working with all of those different regional uh visitors bureaus to to kind of talk about what they want to promote and and, and try and and you know, give people from out of our region a taste of what it's like to come play golf and what a vacation surrounded by golf and other fun activities would be like uh, for a week here in the area. 
speaking of golf, and you talked a little bit about the American Century Tournament that was on hiatus last year due to COVID, and this year it's coming back July 9th through 11th. So what can you tell fans that they can expect this year as it makes its return? Well, hiatus, at least for the fans, it did. It was played uh, for, a TV, for a TV audience, but uh, they will be bringing fans back. So in some ways there was a hiatus because it just wasn't the same. I mean, it was, it was a course, it was a cool, cool tournament and, and the celebrities came out and, you know, it was a fun event for TV, but there's nothing like being out here on 17. You've got the boats and thousands of people packing this golf course. I mean, it is really, truly one of the most unique uh, sporting events, not just golf events, sporting events. You bring together all these different celebrities and all these different athletes into South Lake Tahoe against this incredible backdrop and this beautiful golf course. And it's such a great showcase for the area. Uh, and today it was really neat. I uh, had a chance to meet Kira Dixon, uh, who is a golf reporter and, and a former uh, Miss USA winner from 2015. Um, and we actually did a, a little kind of par three challenge on number 17. Uh, basically, if either of us hold uh, on 17, we would have won $25,000 uh, to split with the Lake Tahoe uh, Wildlife Cares Fund. Um, I did shank my first shot, which was not good. Kira was great. She knocked her first shot coming straight off of a car ride from San Francisco. And she put hers, I think, maybe 15 feet from the pin. Luckily, we had two shots. My second shot, I did make it on the green. So I did redeem myself. I think we were about equal to the pin. We didn't have time to put it out to see who would win. She had some other obligations to get up and talk to some other media folks. But it was fun to meet Kira and just get her perspective on being back in Tahoe and then do that little par three challenge. And again, you can see all of that in this half hour special that we're producing again, more for kind of those other markets, but we will air it as well on NSN and air it here in Reno later in the month. And we'll give you the details on that uh, here in the coming days. I think the last time you were out there, they were playing an NHL uh, hockey game. Uh, any ice yeah. or uh, how's that area? <laughs> the, the, the rink on. Man, that's crazy. I, I actually kind of almost forgot about that hockey event. It was so crazy. An NHL game right here in Reno, two games. Uh, played uh, just right on the other side of, of where we're sitting on 18. They constructed this incredible rink. Uh, and to be able to showcase hockey at Edgewood, that was a really cool event. Uh, it doesn't look like there's any residual effects uh, from that. I mean, this is one of the most taken care of golf courses. Uh, you know, and I've had a chance now to play some really nice golf courses, not only in our area, but, you know, around the country a little bit. And to me, you have the backdrop you know, of Edgewood and South Lake Tahoe, but the way that they take care of this golf course, to me, it makes it worth the, the cost. It is not a cheap place to play, but as a public course, to me, I think it's one of those kind of bucket list places. I do think the value is there because not only are you getting this unique setting, they take really, really good care of this golf course. The fairways look awesome. The greens are fantastic. Uh, so it's really shaping up to be a good summer here at Edgewood for sure. You're also doing a little exploring our backyards as that um, segment is now coming back. We saw Shannon Kelly's first uh, VNT railway yesterday and you got to shoot one recently on Flume Trail. So what was that experience like? Uh, it was an experience uh, for sure. So yeah, the, the outdoor stuff will actually weave into this golf show, but we'll also uh, run them for you guys on exploring our backyard. I went on the Flume Trail, which has been bucket list for me for years. Uh, it is an amazing bike path. It's about five miles long as part of a bigger section of trails that's above Lake Tahoe. I mean, it is a couple thousand of feet over like Sand Harbor. The views up there are spectacular. Like, I, I mean, I haven't, I'm not that, that big of an avid biker to say that I've been all over the world like biking and stuff, but I, I can't imagine there are too many places around the world that have that kind of scenery on a bike ride. 
Uh, we started at Tunnel Creek Cafe, which is right there in Incline Village, uh, and they have Plume Trail bikes, and uh, Max over there is awesome. Set us up on some e-bikes, which was helpful to give us a little pedal assist. Uh, we took off on a pretty good climb from Tunnel Creek and went straight out to, to Flume Trail, and um, it was epic. I mean, it lived up to every expectation for me when it comes to the scenery and just the challenge of the ride. Now, I will say, and I have to admit, I did have a little crash. Uh, it was pretty scary, I'm not going to lie. Um, you know, so anyone goes in the flume trail, there are some sections you might be better off walking, uh, than biking. It's really narrow. I clipped my handlebar in a very, very steep section and I actually turned my bike over the mountain and, uh, crashed head first. I scraped my entire arm. Uh, it's really not in good shape right now, but I'm extremely lucky, uh, that I didn't suffer any broken bones. I mean, this was kind of like an injury that could have left me in a wheelchair. Like I'm, I'm not exaggerating as to how extreme that was and, and how scary it was. So thankfully for Max. I was there to kind of help pull me out. It was a very steep section, very, very rocky. And, and thankfully, I didn't turn over and, and roll down the mountain because that would have been devastating. So I feel very, very fortunate to only walk away with some scrapes. Um, but, you know, if you want to check it out, I'll put some of that footage on my Twitter today and you can see the crash. And we'll, of course, have the full segment uh, without the crash. You know, you guys can see a full scope of that. But it's definitely worth some checking out if you want to walk it, if you want to hike it, bike it. Uh, but if you're going to bike it, definitely wear a helmet like I did. Thankfully, I had that be very, very careful and, uh, you know, maybe walk some of those sections instead of biking like I did. Sounds like you guys are getting in a hot air balloon here pretty soon as well. <laughs> a bit safer. Will that be your first time you've done this before? You know, I was actually lucky enough. I think it was around five years ago. I did a hot air balloon here in Tahoe, actually. Lake Tahoe balloons. That was sick. Uh, they took off, um, I think around Tahoe Keys. They go on a barge and they literally take off and land on Lake Tahoe. Unbelievable. I did that. Uh, for exploring our backyard like five years ago uh, with one of our reporters at the time, Brenna Green. Um, so we're actually going to do a different balloon ride this time in your neck of the woods, Chris, uh, in Gardnerville. Uh, so we're going to check out their operation down there. And I think at uh, Lampy Park, right, Culpa? Yeah, Lampy Heck Park yeah. Is, they, where, is where they take off and land. So I'm really excited to, to get on another balloon. It is such a beautiful thing. And to be able to see the Carson Valley from a balloon, I can't imagine uh, a better way to see that area. It's one of my favorite spots. Well, thank you so much, Alex, for joining us. And if you are hoping to see more coverage from the golf tour and the American Century Championship, we'll be continuing to provide exclusive content in the coming weeks and our Exploring Our Backyards, which airs on Tuesdays. So stay tuned for that. Coming up, Wolfpack alum Krista Palmer, remember the name. We'll tell you why after the break. Welcome back into NSN Daily. Wolfpack alum Krista Palmer continues her dominance at the U.S. Olympic diving trials continued from yesterday at Indianapolis. She finished first in the women's three-meter dive after two first rounds. Chris, I was looking it up about how, how fast it is that they, they hit the water, and it said that off a 10-meter, so 9.8 feet, which is the three-meter dive, hits the water at 35 miles per hour. Now, that is an impact. Yeah, and Chris has been doing it great this week. I mean, she really is thriving on the biggest stage that she's dove at. Uh, she was in the trials four years ago, and I think that experience has really helped her this year. She's in first place, like you mentioned, in the three-meter dive, 655 points. Second place, Haley Hernandez, 593 points. So Chris is going to take a huge gap into the uh, finals, which are on Saturday, and she's in prime position. Unlike the synchro, which we talked about earlier this week, they take the top two divers in individual events, so she's got some margin for error there. Uh, her third dive in the semifinal, she scored a 78. That was the highest dive 
of the entire week. And then uh, you look at her fourth dive, it's a 3.4 degree of difficulty. It's the hardest dive that any of the competitors in the 18 person field attempted. And she had another great score, 76.5 points. So she's doing dives that others aren't even attempting and, and she's racking up the points. So she's in really prime position right now to be able to go out there and make the Olympics in two different events. The finals for the three meter synchro uh, are Thursday. And then the finals for this event are Sunday. So, uh, you know, she's gonna have, uh, you know, back to back kind of really big moment situations, but she has definitely risen to the challenge up to this point. And actually her partner in the three meter synchro is in third place. So she'll be trying to get into that top two as well. Uh, I know they are very close, but yeah, Krista has been killing it so far over there in Indianapolis. Krista and Allison, both of them so close to making it to the Olympic team. Has there ever been a duo that has gotten this close that is a Wolfpack alum? So yeah, so Krista is a Wolfpack alum. Uh, her partner is not from this area, but they've obviously done a lot of training together. So no, there's never been somebody from this area, high school or Wolfpack wise, who's uh, made it on Team USA. So now the Wolfpack has had several people make it for their own individual countries, uh, you know, in different areas, and two of them have actually gone on to win medals. But Krista would be either the first diver or swimmer to compete for Team USA in the Olympics. And, uh, you know, this is something that we've talked about that she's been, uh, you know, chasing down and achieving for a long, long time. And she has just put herself in perfect position. She's got a decent amount of margin for error in both of these events because of the lead that she's built up. So if she just goes out there and continues to dive as she has, she's definitely going to make the Olympic team. So that, that's got to be, you know, really exciting for her. And she talked about after yesterday's event that she's just, you know, she likes performing. She likes being in front of people. She likes talking to the media and having people care about what her sport is doing. So, you know, I think she's kind of prepared for the moment pressure wise. She's a lot older than the people she's competing against as well. Second place is 11 years younger than her. So she's kind of been through a lot of stuff already that I think has prepped her for this moment. On her last dive, it probably wasn't a perfect takeoff. She wasn't far as far out on the board as you would have liked, but she still put together a great dive and she still went in with almost no splash. You know, the commentator who was a former Olympic winner herself, uh, Cynthia Potter, said after that dive that she's one of the prettiest divers you will ever see. She never loses form. And if you talk with her coach, Jin Lee Yu, um, she talks about how beautifully Krista dives. And, you know, this is a judged sport. This is not something where you run to the tape and your time is your time. How you look and the beauty with which you dive plays a huge part in the scores that you get. So Krista seems to have everything going in the right direction right now. When watching her dive yesterday, it was flawless. And just looking at the replays over and over, you're like, There's, I can't even do a pencil dive. And it looked <laughs> that gorgeous just off of the ledge right into the pool. But um, a remarkable um, performance. And I have to ask you, so Yes, we. Uh, I think we both feel as though as she is, she will make the Olympic team. If we were betting, we would both put our uh, money on her. But what do you see for Krista's future after this? I think this is probably her last go at the Olympics. As I mentioned, she's a little bit older than the majority of the divers, but she hasn't had that Olympic experience yet because she was focused on a different sport, went through some injuries, and they didn't quite make it uh, in 2016. So, uh, you know, I, I don't want to ever say never with, with this girl. I mean, she is uh, a rock star. She's tremendous. Um, she's made huge gains and she actually loves what she uh, does. So, uh, you know, uh, it, this is probably her last hurrah in the Olympics, but it might not be. Um, so, you know, there, there is a lot of pressure on her to go out there and achieve all of these goals and everything that she's been working for uh, toward the last decade. So, uh, you know, it, 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 the way she's diving now, it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility to see her not only make the Olympics, but, you know, potentially compete for a medal. So that, that's just really cool that she's put in all of this work and is coming to fruition right now.
The women's three meter dive finals are on Saturday at 2.50 Pacific time, but Palmer will complete, compete in the three meter synchro on Thursday at 4 p.m. If you would like to watch this, it is on the Olympic channel. Good luck, Krista. We are rooting for you here. Switching over to Nevada football alum, Nate Burleson. He won two Emmy Emmys yesterday. The first one for Outstanding Sports Personality Studio Analyst, as well as Outstanding Playoff Coverage for his color commentary on Nickelodeon's NFC wildcard game. I did watch that Nickelodeon special and it, it was good. I thought he did a great job. What do you, what do you think of Burleson's achievement? I think it's amazing. I mean, this guy's not even 40 years old yet. He played a decade in the NFL. Now he's got two Emmys. Uh, he, he's just had an amazing post-playing uh, career. And a lot of guys struggle with that, whether they're just finishing up college and, you know, they don't have the sport anymore or whether they play a decade at the pro level and they don't have the sport anymore. I mean, this is what they've been consumed with all of their life, being a pro athlete. And then you turn around and you're like, Nate, and you're 32 years old and you're retired. And you're like, what do I do with the rest of my life? Like Nate was completely prepared for this. He's a alum of the Reynolds School of Journalism at UNR and, you know, obviously had this in his future. He has his own clothing company called Lion Blood Clothing. Uh, he's part of Extra, the TV show that's a, a New York correspondent. But, you know, his bread and butter has been doing this studio stuff. He has his own show on NFL Network, Good Morning America. He's on the CBS uh, pregame show on Sunday mornings. And like you said, that Nickelodeon thing was so awesome. He, he did such a great job with that. It was basically him and like two or three other kids. And they were talking about an NFL game. And like when the Saints scored, they threw goo all over the screen. And it was just such a fun experience. And uh, more to me, more enjoyable than a regular broadcast where they're like breaking down the X's and O's and stuff. I have fun when I watch sports and Nate made that fun. So he won that for part of the team coverage. And then he got his own uh, Emmy individually for outstanding sports personality and studio host. So he's definitely killing it as well. I mean, he's a guy who really loves the Wolfpack. He wears his Nevada stuff on his shows all the time and gives the Wolfpack shout outs and uh, certainly thriving post playing career. And I, I wouldn't put anything past this guy. It's cool to see him not only win two Emmys, but JaVale McGee, former Nevada basketball player, was nominated for a Grammy in February as well. So these guys are, are multi-talented. It's not just all about the sports with a lot of these alums. Nate just needs to come on this show. We're just waiting, you know, football <laughs> season. <laughs> We're going to hold him to it. But coming up, my personal favorite, Murray's Mailbag. You don't want to miss this. Stick with us. It's time for Murray's Mailbag, where Chris opens up his Twitter for questions on Sunday, as I like to call Chris the Adam Schefter of Reno, <laughs> where he generously answers every single one of your questions. First one being from Blackbird, how much of a difference does AJ Brama make to the Wolfpack program? I think it's a huge addition. I mean, this was all kind of bonus. I mean, Nevada's already returning its top five uh, players. It's five starting players. It's got two all-conference players back in Grant Sherfield and Desmond Cambridge. But these last couple scholarships have been in flux. You kind of feel like, you know, they've been changing every couple of weeks. But AJ is an impact player. He was one of the best uh, transfers out there on the market. And I think he's going to step in, play 25 to 30 minutes per game. I think he's going to be a starter, a power forward. And I think he gives Nevada something it kind of lacks, which was a second playmaker who can make his own plays off the dribble. I mean, AJ is great at slashing to the rim, drawing free throws. A lot was put on Grant Sherfield's shoulders last year in terms of creating offense for himself and for his teammates. I think that's something that AJ can do really, really well. And I think he gives Nevada something different at power forward than it already had. You look at Nevada's projected power forwards, 
it's guys like Will Baker, who's a seven foot center who likes to shoot threes. It's guys like KJ Himes, who's more of an inside player who will shoot an occasional three. You don't have a lot of power forwards who can take you off the dribble like AJ and slash to the basket. So, uh, you know, I think it was a huge addition. He was clearly one of the top recruits on Nevada's board entering the offseason. They initially did not get him when he went to Arizona State. So for them to come back and get a commitment from him, I think is a big, big plus as uh, Steve Alford builds this roster into a really dangerous group. San Leandro High alum, being a San Leandro <laughs> High alum myself, I am rooting for him to have an incredible season this year. So, and, and like you said, only one year of eligibility. So let's hope that this year is the year that um, the Wolfpack can get it done. Next question by Tattooed Mormon Lawyer. With the addition of an independent pro hockey team here in the area, do you see interest in hockey increasing here to the point that we might get an ECHL team eventually? So that's like a double A team. And then the AHL is like a triple A team. So Reno has kind of been targeting that ECHL level. Um, I don't think that it has a huge correlation. I do think it's a nice trial balloon. And if people are going crazy for the semi-pro team that's coming here to Reno this fall, you know, that certainly boosts your hopes, but it ultimately comes down to a venue for an ECHL team to play. And that's not the Reno ice facility because the uh, attendant situation is not up to par. So you'd have to do either a standalone loan facility, which is like 15 to $20 million, it's not going to happen, or renovate a current facility like the Reno Event Center, that's probably six or $7 million. And who's going to pay for that? That's the biggest hurdle, not the interest. I think there's going to be a lot of interest, but who's going to step up to make it facility ready? And I don't see anybody doing that now. But now if this semi-pro team is selling out all of its tickets and people are going crazy, maybe there is a private investor, maybe the city of Reno reevaluates if they want to put money into the Reno Event Center to make it hockey ready. I don't think there's a huge link, but it certainly doesn't help. It gives, you know, Reno a chance and Northern Nevada a chance to show how much they could support minor league hockey. I don't think the West Coast is a huge hockey fan base. The Knights, though, especially, I feel like the fans are, there's totally that rivalry, say, with the Knights and the Sharks. And But I think that if they could get a team, we could see more hockey fans come out to the West Coast. Next question from Julian Delgadio, Mount Rushmore of Murray's. Yeah, my top four Murray. So I put this, uh, obviously wrote it up on Monday and my mom, I was talking to her yesterday and she was mad she didn't make the list. So I guess I'll start with my mom. I don't think anybody knows her. So I'm not sure Not not that nobody knows her. I don't think she's as popular as the four people I picked. So my four original selections were Bill Murray, which is actually my father's name, but not him, the actor. I think he's the number one Murray there ever was. Eddie Murray, he's a Hall of Fame baseball player, hit more than 500 home runs in his career. One of the best switch hitters ever. Uh, Andy Murray, uh, you know, a great tennis player in his own right. And my fourth pick was Conrad Murray, the guy who uh, he said in they killed Michael Jackson. Um, so we'll take Conrad Murray off and I'll put my mom on, Paula Murray. Uh, am I missing any famous Murrays? Chad Michael Murray? from like Hill? Chris, we're forgetting about the one and only Jim Murray. Oh, Jim Murray. Oh, I have that book as well. If you have a filibuster, let me look through here and see if I can find <laughs> I thought for sure when I saw the list, I was like, did Chris forget about the one and only Jim Murray? I think he did, but you know, this was given to me by my grandpa who has just recently passed and I was given a sports plethora of books of um, getting my Murray knowledge. And I, as instantly when I got this book, I messaged Chris and I told him, I said, hey, Chris, um, are you related by chance to Jim Murray? So it's oh, right here. <laughs> All right. I also have my Jim Murray book. Okay. 
So yeah, that's a good one. This is probably the best sports writer that ever lived. Uh, Jim Murray wrote for the LA Times for a very long time. And it's actually interesting. I go back and I read these columns sometimes to kind of get inspiration for how great of a writer he was. Um, you know, so he was a great columnist. He won a Pulitzer Prize, which you don't usually see from a sports journalist. So uh, apologies to Jim Murray as well. He should not have been snubbed. He, uh, not, not related to him, but uh, a great writer for sure. Well, you guys have some competition there. I think your guys' both of your writings is pretty on. <laughs> uh, last question that we have for you today is Scott Walkit-Quist. Top five Broadway shows and why isn't Hamilton on your list? So yeah, Hamilton's coming to Reno and I put a tweet out there last week that Hamilton is overrated. So first of all, do you agree with that? Have you seen Hamilton? Okay, so I have Disney Plus and I watched Hamilton and I haven't finished it. So there's something about being there and watching the show versus it on TV. It's just not the same. So if you didn't finish, it has to be overrated. It's considered like the greatest Broadway play of the last 20 years. And you couldn't make it all the way through just as I couldn't make it all the way through. I actually did have a parent of a Wolfpack uh, basketball player reach out to me and uh, strongly disagree with my, my take there. And he did say you kind of got to do it in person. So top five Broadway plays. I've never been to Broadway to watch a play. Now I have seen some plays at the Pioneer Center, which are great. Uh, I saw Percy Jackson. I've seen the Nutcracker a couple of times. Um, I've gone up to shows at San Harbor for the Shakespeare Festival, which is great. I've actually been to the um, Shakespeare Globe in London and watched a play, which was awesome. So I do think the in-person experience is quite a bit different. Um, so that's something I've always wanted to see the Lion King, the Broadway version. So that would be fun as well. Um, so yeah, my, my take is Hamilton is a little bit overrated. Like tickets for the Reno show, they started, I think like 310 and they go up to about $600. Like that's a lot. That's a lot for me to go watch a show that I didn't love on Disney Plus, but I'm sure those things are going to sell out real quickly. I've personally seen Fiddler on the Roof and Wicked and Wicked was cool. That was I felt like that lived up to its hype. Um, and I saw it way after it was in its prime, I feel like. Um, but at the Orpheum in Oakland, they have shows all the time. But like you, the tickets are extremely pricey and we always got them as gifts from our grandpa um, for Christmas. And he would send the family instead of gifts, he thought. It's better to go and experience something, which I can't disagree with. But before we end the segment, Chris, what Broadway play do would you would like to see next? Yeah, The Lion King for sure, if they're still doing it. Maybe Cats. Cats is Phantom of the Opera. Like all of those classic ones. Um, but uh, The Book of Mormon is interesting. Uh, that would be a fun one. I've heard that one's really good. So th there are definitely a lot I got to catch up on. All right, coming up, Wolfpack alum Adam Witt is putting together a charity golf tournament. We'll sit down with him and discuss all the details. Stick with us after the break. This segment sponsored by the following. You know, the weather is perfect right now. I mean, it's great and gorgeous to get out and play some, some golf, and why not do it for a, for a good cause at one of the premier courses here in Northern Nevada. Joining us here on NSN Daily is Adam Witt, former Nevada pitcher, the Carson Center. Uh, Adam, the flow is still flowing. It's not as much flowing as it used to be flowing, but you, you can have to grow up a little bit, I guess. But uh, people may remember you had it down to the shoulders. Nevada closer, if you were at Piccoli Park, you know exactly who we're talking about. Adam, you got a golf tournament coming up in July, on July 10th, to support the, uh, the Adam Witt foundation before we even get into the event itself tell me about the adam witt foundation and your inspiration to 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 put this together and what it benefits yeah so um <clears throat> you know it's pretty recent that we actually got the foundation up and running um it kind of came from my cousin jeff landingham and uh, his business partner john brummer 
uh, they reached out to me and had type of thing. And uh, I've always wanted to have a foundation, give back to the local Nevada and Northern Nevada specific community. Um, and so the foundation was kind of established in order to get that process going. And uh, the foundation, we have four main goals. Um, the first one is to pro provide an efficient way for youth athletes to acquire the needed funds or equipment to participate in the sports <clears throat> or educational program. It's to help equalize opportunities for youth to participate in athletic sports, no matter the socioeconomic status. So if someone can't afford equipment, um, traveling to practice, traveling to a game, um, the Adam Witt Foundation is going to be there to kind of help facilitate those problems. And then uh, we want to help teach students the benefits of philanthropy, um, giving back a little bit to the community and kind of showing them how, how to do that and uh, go through that process. And then the last one is to provide an opportunity for any local businesses to support the youth while increasing the economic growth in the community. So all the equipment and things that we're going to be helping provide underprivileged kids, we're going to go through local stores, you know, local community mom and pop sports stores, um, so that the economic growth and stuff stays there in Northern Nevada. Tell us a little bit about your upbringing as a Carson High standout who walked on to Nevada and then became one of the best closers in, in school history. I mean, you're obviously targeting helping young athletes. What was your experience like as a young athlete in Northern Nevada? Yeah, I mean, my, my experience was awesome growing up. Um, I mean, I played every sport and tried everything under the sun. I felt like, you know, from Taekwondo to doing ping pong club after school or something like that. I mean, I did everything. I played football, basketball, baseball. And so that's another reason that I wanted to give back um, to any sports organization or club. You know, I, I saw the benefits that it had kind of helped me with um, life lessons. You know, after I got done playing baseball, um, getting diagnosed with cancer, a lot of the way that I approached going through that was things that I learned through sports, whether it was a team sport like baseball or whether it was more individual like golf or tennis. Um, and so that's kind of where I wanted to get back and make sure that kids had the same opportunities that I did, because I think that the things I learned from sports helped way more and beyond sports themselves. You know, it kept me out of trouble, gave me great life lessons, um, taught me how to work in a team, leadership, just so many, so many good things about it. And it all stems from just like you said, growing up in Carson City, playing AYSO soccer and, you know, traveling around, getting to spend time with my little brother and my parents and just spending that time with family. Got to be careful there, Adam. You're talking to a Douglas Tiger over there. So uh, he, 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 he may look subtle, but you got to be careful. You got to watch Chris Murray. Um, you, you brought up the C word, not to get back to a very serious subject before we talk about this golf tournament. Uh, you went through a bout with cancer. And I mean, I think all of us have had some sort of touch with the C word. And what do you think it's done to you when it comes to being a stronger individual, your family having to go through this with you at such a young age? When I heard about this, I went, you got to be kidding me. He's 20, whatever years old. You know, you, you think of cancer and you think of later down in life or something like that. But what, what, what have you taken from that fight? 
Yeah. I mean, kind of like you said, it, it definitely comes as a shock, you know, and especially with the type that I have and got diagnosed with, um, 95% of the people that get it are 65 or older. And so, you know, getting diagnosed when you're a professional athlete, 25 years old, you know, being very healthy, working out, eating right, doing all the right things. Um, it's just a major shock to the system. I mean, and just like you said, all the way from my personal problems that I faced with it mentally and physically to my family, you know, them having to watch and help and feeling almost helpless in a lot of ways that, uh, you know, just kind of trying to help me get through it. But, you know, I think, like I said, there's so many things that I learned from my experiences in sports. Like I said, whether I was five years old in soccer or all the way to winning the first Mountain West championship with the Nevada baseball team in 2015. Um, you know, you learn a lot through those trials and tribulations walking on to the Nevada baseball team. You know, I didn't have any other options to play baseball anywhere. That was the only option. And so I kind of treat it the same way, just a little bit bigger scale. You know, it was, I know I'm not done yet. I know I can beat this and I can do it and, and do all those type of things. I think the human body can do more than what you think it's capable of. And so, like I said, just all those lessons I learned from sports, um, I put them into use in the cancer battle and, uh, I think that it's definitely helped out so far and will continue to help me. You mentioned that 2015 season, you guys went 41 and 13 during the regular season and still didn't get an at-large bid into the NCAA tournament, which I'm sure a lot of people on that team are still pretty bitter about. But what did it mean to you just to see Nevada get back to the NCAA tournament when they did clinch that last weekend and them heading over to Stanford to play this weekend? Oh, yeah, I was so excited. I wore all my Nevada Wolfpack stuff <laughs> today. Had to make sure to give a shout out to them. Um, you know, it's just growing up in Carson City and having it be my hometown team. You know, I mean, I was there for their sweet 16 runs in basketball and when Kaepernick was there for football and I was always a fan. And then getting the chance to play for the team on the baseball team. And not only that, but like you said, have a really successful season and um, do really well. You know, I think that was a dream come true to me. I mean, just being on the team, I was excited, let alone the success that we had. And seeing them make the regionals for the first time in was it 21 years it's it's pretty awesome to see and i'm so excited and you know i texted kyle hunt who was a shortstop while i was there sent him a text and a couple of other guys you know bryce grager and austin byler and all of us we've kind of been texting back and forth just watching their progress through the season and when they finally clinched it you know there's a little bit of pride being an alumni and knowing that's my hometown team it really seems like there is a special bond and there's there's a fraternity of sorts when it comes to Nevada baseball and some of these guys. I've heard from guys that I covered back in the 90s and I've spoken to them this week and they're all, you know, husbands with kids and they're coaching their little league teams and guys that have played in the majors and that sort of thing. But uh, get to this tournament, uh, July 10th at Toyabi, one of the premier golf courses, just a great track. I love playing uh, Toyabi. Um, this is going to be a fun day. It's going to be one of those days that, you know, you go out, spend a little money to benefit a cause, but you're serving breakfast. There's going to be lunch. There's going to be the silent auction. This is going to have a whole shebang. This should be fun. Yeah, it's going to be a ton of fun. Um, kind of like you said, you know, this is my, the first event for the foundation. 
And uh, it's just kind of a really fun and good way to kick it off. You know, I'm, I'm going through the PGA program right now to become a certified class A PGA professional. And so golf is kind of an easy and fun way for me to get back into it. Um, and we're going to make it kind of a professional, fun, make sure everybody enjoys it uh, type of atmosphere. You know, just like you said, we're going to have a silent auction at the end, provide some lunch, get some breakfast. We already got some sponsorships kind of coming through. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a ton of fun. I mean, it's it's benefiting a great cause. And like I said, all the money is going to be going right back into the economy in northern Nevada, supporting local kids all over the area. And uh, it's going to be very exciting. Well, how do people sign up for the tournament, Adam? You have a website or what's, what's the best way for people to sign up? Yeah, the best way to get more information on the foundation and, and the tournament um, is adamwittfoundation.com. You can just type that right into Google. It'll pull you up there. And then you can find all the info for signing up, sponsoring, attending, making just donations. Um, it's all right there on the website. AdamWittFoundation.com. If you want to sign up for the uh, the uh, tournament that uh, will be held on July 10th, that's a Saturday at Toyabi. And I, everything that Adam said, uh, yeah, benefiting underprivileged youth sports. If you don't have a, if you don't want to get behind that, then I, I don't want to play golf with you. I'm sorry, I don't want to have a beer with you and play golf with you. Adam, it's great to see you, and and um, it, you're inspiring to a lot of people because of what you've gone through and turning around and being uh, so professional and mature about it afterwards. Going from the ping pong club to, hey, I'm going to be a PGA professional. Why not? I mean, hey, that's uh, <laughs> that's incredible. Thanks for being with us. Yeah, thank you, guys. We'll have much more coming up on NSN Daily right after this. Welcome back into NSN Daily. After the Vegas Golden Knights lost their first two games of their second round series against the Colorado Avalanche, Captain Mark Stone said no team is out of the series until it loses at home. Well, they're sweeping now. They came back and they won last night in overtime to Avalanche. They're up in the series 3-2. Chris, heartbreaking, heartbreaking for an Avalanche fan. Having a friend that's on the Avalanche team, Jonas Donskoy, who had a goal last night. Um, kudos to him. But I, you know, my gut tells me that the Knights are going to win it all tomorrow night. But what are, what are your thoughts? They're playing well. I mean, I kind of said on the show, I think the Avalanche were going to run away with this series. They won the first two games, uh, first one very handily. Uh, you know, the Knights held home court or home ice. They won back-to-back -back games at home. And then this last game was in Colorado. So for Vegas to go out there and get a win after falling behind 2-0, I mean, they're down two goals heading into the third period. They scored really quickly to start the third period. They added another goal about three minutes later. And then less than a minute into overtime, Mark Stone, who you referenced, went out there and got the game-winning goal. And it, it's absolutely huge. They they go home they win one more game and they're moving on to the stanley cup semifinals against the, to me colorado was the best team in the regular season so this is probably the two best teams in the nhl uh the lightning are also very very good but uh this is a huge hurdle and, and vegas has put itself in a really good position after digging a really big hole so you're friends with jonas and he scored uh the second goal to put his team up 2-0 do you kind of text him after a game like this and say you know nice goal sorry you guys are in this situation or you just wait until the series is over before touching bases 
just wait till the next day, like this morning. Um, uh, you know, he's a super nice guy and is just, uh, he, uh, kudos to him and exciting news. He's expecting a little one on the way. So we're hoping that they'll, um, his new son to be, we'll get to see him next year in the same, um, in the same sport and hockey is tough. I mean, you talk about, we talk about with him all the time about concussions and how, um, the players careers end so quickly with how many that they, um, they, how many times they end up getting hit, but la- but yesterday I thought for sure Avalanche had it. I mean, they were, uh, Las Vegas was being outshot 110 to 52 in the first period of game two, or I'm sorry, in, the, in that one game. And then yesterday they had a really good game and then it's just unraveling. And I don't see that th- tomorrow night's game is sold out personally looking at tickets and potentially might go to the last game, but I unfortunately don't see it going um, in Avalanche's way unless they can shift it in their momentum but I'm hoping that for my friend's sake and for Avalanche I mean an Avalanche has just broken records this year and had a really remarkable season so like you I thought for sure Avalanche had this in the bag I didn't think they were even going to make it to a possibly a you know a game six or a game seven I thought would be easy done but it does not appear that way Um, the the night stars have been stepping up and I think that's something that they lacked last year when they lost to the blues in the playoffs is their stars didn't play uh, you know, as or to to the stars, their their stars just didn't play as well as they needed to. And you saw Jonathan Marchant have a hat trick last game and lead you know the Knights to victory. He got the game tying goal, and then as you mentioned, Mark Stone steps up as a captain and scores the game winning goal. So a lot of times it comes down to your star players playing great, and the Knights have been able to get that the last couple of games. I don't think this series is over by any means. I mean, Colorado is more than capable of going out there and winning back to back games. They won. I think 12 in a row before these last uh, three wins by the Knights. So it's still going to be a fun series, but the, the Knights have definitely taken the upper hand over the last couple of games. Vegas just needs to win one more to make it to the Stanley Cup semifinals. It would be their third time that Vegas um, has gotten there. So uh, game six tomorrow night at six o'clock coming up. Stick with us. Final thoughts. Welcome back into NSN Daily. Time for our final thoughts. Oklahoma Sooners fell to the 10-seeded Florida State Seminoles in game one of the 2021 Women's College World Series National Championship Series. Uh, before I get into it, Jenna, you are our softball expert. Expert, What did you think of this, of the first game? I think Florida State came out hot and the bats were going, and that was like the main concern between the two. I think everybody was playing on Oklahoma to have the bats going early in the game. But Florida State came out to play, and I'm excited. Um, I was talking to y'all earlier. Uh, a couple of friends of mine have been on Florida State uh, softball team, Jessica Burroughs. She pitched back in 2017, um, you know, got into the uh, World Series and stuff like that. So I'm pulling for Florida State today, and I hope that they um, can pull it off. It's exciting. Yeah, they've been playing really well. I mean, they're 33 and five over the last 38 games after a 16 and six start. It really comes down to the pitching with this team. I mean, you look at Florida State's hitters, it's not bad, but their top hitter hits 300. Uh, Nobody else on the team hits above that among their starters, but they have a team ERA this season of 1.67. So when you get that kind of pitching, it's going to be really hard to beat. Not to say that Oklahoma can't dig out of this situation. I think that they didn't have the greatest managing in game one, but, uh, you know, it, it's going to be fun. I think this one will go three games, but Florida State, you know, has been playing some really strong ball since the playoffs started. So I'm going with the Seminoles as well. I'm hoping for uh, 
Florida State as well to win. I love a good little underdog story, them being the number 10 seed. If you want to listen to the game versus watch, download the TuneIn app on Westwood One, Ryan Radke will be on the call, friend of the program. Game mm-hmm. two is tonight on at 7 p.m. Pacific time on ESPN. Thank you so much for tuning in. We will see you next time.